This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And off we go. Welcome, everyone, to the most listened to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. This show cannot and will not be quarantined. And, of course, we're talking about under the dome with yours truly, the famous CD inside the 1037 The Game Studios. It's a previously recorded episode of Under the Dome. Don't worry, we have a lot of great stuff to talk about. Mind you, it's not the stuff we want to talk about. We want to talk about March Madness getting started, but that's not the case. We want to talk about the NFL Draft, but that's in flux. We want to talk about the world of UFC and everything in between, but, you know, the biggest thing of them all is the coronavirus canceling a lot of sports? And it is just absolutely like, less than ideal. And I'm not a fan of just the fact that now we're not talking about sports. We're sitting here talking about talking about sports. And, you know, this is going to be a show that's very, very different from 90% of the shows that we have. Like most of the shows I talk, I'm on... I have a lot of fun. I try and bring some light and some brevity into the world because that's just what I like to do. I'm sitting here to tell you right now that I have a, I'm having a hard time doing that for a lot of different reasons. But the biggest reason is because of the fact that I think we need to talk about it is what happens now. The coronavirus canceled so many things. It's basically become the cancel culture. It's no longer the Me Too movement. It's the coronavirus movement to cancel all sports. College baseball, college softball, March Madness, NBA is suspended, NHL is suspended, MLB's opening day is moved back two extra weeks. Which brings about a whole lot of other questions. But the whole thing that I'm just wondering about is what happens next. What's next to for the future of sports? Because... I'm going to just be upfront and honest with you. I know this is a sports station, but I'm a big wrestling fan. WrestleMania is about three weeks out, about to be almost two weeks out from the biggest show of the year going on in Tampa Bay, Florida, where several cases of coronavirus have happened. And I know there's some talk about canceling major events. This is a major event with hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, not just for the WWE, but for the entire area of Tampa Bay, Florida, and probably most of the state of Florida and the surrounding counties, because there's tons of independent wrestling shows, tons of shows going on across Tampa Bay, Florida, and maybe bleeding into Orlando. And you got the big show that I know over the years has been like over $100 million has been spent and put into these respective host cities, such as New Orleans, WrestleMania 30 and 34 were both right there. Hell, I know SmackDown supposedly is supposed to be in New Orleans, this coming Friday for SmackDown, the debut of Rob Gronkowski, Gronk. But with everything going on, odds are that'll never happen. Those moments will never happen. In fact, last night, SmackDown was live 
from their performance center. Could there be a moment in time in an, at any event in human history that could have caused WrestleMania to be canceled? I think this could be the one. You know, we, we laugh and we joke, you know, Vince McMahon would never cancel WrestleMania. I think this is a situation where he has no choice. His hands are tied. Do you want to risk your independent contractors, which is what they are, their health, just so you can make a few extra bucks? If Vince does that, it really shows how much of a complete and utter censored for radio he is. Because I'd love to say what I really think Vince McMahon would be if he did this. Yes, he's a billionaire, and yes, he's got more money than God, and he's willing to probably bite the bullet on this. But you got to realize, Vince McMahon pretty much built that brand name, WrestleMania. The name of the marquee says that. He wants that to happen. He wants the show to go on. Even if it has to be inside that performance center and there's nobody there. There's no crowds. Because there's no way in hell you're going to do it at Raymond James Stadium. I am absolutely sorry. There's no way you'd be able to do that April 6th in just a few weeks' time for WrestleMania. There's no way that will ever happen in a million years. So I'll say, I say either, I say postpone it to June. And I actually kind of threw this idea out there online on Reddit. The worst place to put ideas at, but, you know, I decided to throw my idea into the ring. Proverbially speaking, of course. And my idea was basically you have episodes rerun from now until you're able to have the all clear and get back to focus on the wrestling. I think that's the ideal situation you need to be in. When it comes down to it, the WWE needs WrestleMania, and you need to have that. So I I thought about it. You rerun all the episodes from the night after the Royal Rumble onward. You give people plenty of time to reinvest in these storylines and give it another shot, and then when you come back, you can resume everything as normal. At the end of the day, that's the only thing I can think of because if one thing is going to get canceled, the next thing you know, you are going to wind up having no shows. And you've got a deal with the USA Network and you've got a deal with Fox. You've got a billion-dollar deal with Fox to air Friday Night SmackDown live. How can you do that whenever virtually the entire state, the United States of America, most of the world, is closed off, is shut down? All you can do is watch TV. And yes, I know a lot of people are cord cutters these days, but I think at the end of the day, you need to want to try to find some happy distraction. Even if it's some reruns of Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown and NXT and maybe even AEW. I hope not because they've got a big show coming up that would be a huge hurt. That would be a huge hit for them, not only financially, but just you have all this built momentum and then it kind of just goes away in an instant. But. That's the stuff that we're not sure about. Next week, we're probably going to find out a lot more about what's going to happen with WrestleMania in a few weeks' time in Tampa, Florida. But when it comes to coronavirus canceling sports across the country, across the world in some cases, I know the EPL at this time when I'm recording it, they're considering suspending the league. He is the Arsenal manager tested positive. For COVID-19 coronavirus. Yes, you heard me right. That's another thing. Champions League got suspended. Premier League was still going on, so it's like, okay, I'll be able to have some Man U this weekend. 
That's not going to be the case. So basically, every single sport imaginable outside of the PGA Tour, which is mind-boggling, and NASCAR are suspended until further notice. The NBA is planning to be suspended activity for 30 days. Does that mean the rest of the games, just regular season, are gone? What does that mean with the timeline? Do you want to risking a situation where you play a full-blown schedule and you don't know what the hell you're doing? You don't know what's going on. You could very well have a situation where the NBA could be playing from, I, let's say, April 21st. If you start playing April 21st and just play two or three games and move on, the Pelicans will be out of the playoffs. Alvin Gentry might be fired, but it'd all be because of an act of God instead of, oh, hey, Alvin Gentry sucks, and I think he does suck. I think he definitely deserves to be gone, but not in this kind of situation. No coach should be fired because of a situation that is completely out of their hands. No show at all. No coach at all should be canceled because of something that is out of their hands and out of their control. And, of course, we're talking about the coronavirus. We're talking about the coronavirus. And at the end of the day, you know, this, again, recorded on Thursday, I'm going to give credit to David Begno, friend of the program and also my friend in general and he actually put this out this again this is thursday and the facts worldwide total confirmed cases for covid19 or coronavirus as everybody knows knows it as 128,343 confirmed cases 718 deaths 68,432 people according to johnson's hopkins have recovered so let's do the math 128,000 843, excuse me, 128,343, and divide that by 718 deaths. Excuse me, let me go do this back because I'm I'm completely doing it backwards. I was told there'd be no math here, and we're doing math live on the air. Wonderful times. But we do that. We divide that 718 into 120,343. Here's what you're going to get, 0.00559438383. And yes, I went with that whole number because I'm a madman. So basically, you don't even have like a hundredth of a percent of people who have dealt with the coronavirus that have passed on. And of course, I mean, we're just looking at this right here, right now from the situation. And of course, more likely than not, we're looking at all the situations in the other locations, including mainland China. There's two different graphs. But again, you know... It's not a death sentence. You know, this doesn't mean it's the end of the world as we know it. I think we continue to kind of have this situation. I was talking with a friend of mine, and basically it felt like this was a situation a lot like Y2K, the West Nile virus, everything after 9-11. What happened there? We all got the, the bejesus scared out of us. We're sitting here like sitting ducks and paralyzed in that fear. And I think that's just where we all are. And trust me, I got that way a good bit while I was on vacation, while I was down. I didn't want to bring this up, but, you know, real life finds a way to make you break out those feelings. So a couple weeks ago, in fact, it'll have been two weeks tomorrow, my mom got in the hospital. Not because of the coronavirus. It was a, she had the flu, and then it escalated to pneumonia very quickly. And she's been in the hospital for the last two weeks. It 
ate me up inside to see my mother the way that she was. And it made me realize something, that who knows how much time we have left on this earth. But guess what? I'm going to go ahead and enjoy every damn minute of it. If it wasn't for Louisiana Comic-Con being canceled, my ass would be over there. If it wasn't for Cage's baseball being canceled, you bet your ass I'll be over there. Because guess what? You know, we shouldn't be living in fear. We shouldn't be living in fear. Are the precautionary measures being taken the right way to do things? Hell yeah, they are. This was the right way to go about it because there's so many people that were going to be at risk, long-term risk of this. And yes, you know, a lot of us maybe were not necessarily in that category of, let's say, the older generation, the ones that have immune deficiencies, but a good bit of us know people who are in those minorities, who know who are part of those categories, those groups of people that are affected significantly by the coronavirus. So at the end of the day, this was a necessary thing to happen. It was inevitable. If we want to have the long-term success and basically say, hey, we want to make sure this thing is taken care of as soon as possible, we got to shut down damn near everything that we can in terms of public events going forward to make sure that we can survive the coronavirus and whatever else we're dealing with here. Because I'm sure... It might be a little bit more than the coronavirus, and I know there's just so many things that we're not certain about. But one thing I am certain about is we'll get through this. We've gotten through a lot worse. We've gotten through Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Rita. God knows how many hurricanes I can think of off top. One of the first ones that I remember when I was a kid was Hurricane Andrew. We got through that just fine. That was a beast of a storm. At the end of the day, all you got to do, and I kind of took a notice of this on Friday, last Friday, when I was just on vacation and going to get dinner. You know, and I saw this Adam uh, Old Time Grocery, the site of where the famous CD, and eventually world famous CD, came to be. And it simply said this, Seek God in all things, and we shall find God by our side. That's what we need. We need to just seek in that and, you know, trust that, you know, the big guy upstairs is going to take care of business. And we're going to live on. We survived a lot worse. We're going to survive probably a good bit more. Because that's the way this whole perpetual comedy of, of life moves on. And the second sports is back in our lives, not only for this station, but for us in general, it's going to be a damn good time. And I cannot wait for that day to come. when We have the umpire say play ball for the first time. I can't wait for the words Astro Launch to ring out onto the station for the first time, whenever that is. In the meantime and in between time, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm not going to let this cripple me. And it shouldn't do the same for you. Go out there, enjoy life to the fullest, but also make sure you wash your damn hands. You don't cough on anybody and keep a good distance. Stay in that safe space. Don't shake hands. Don't even fist bump. Honestly, I'd almost say go kid and play. You know, if you've seen House Party, you know what I'm talking about. That's what you need to do. Enjoy life. Is you only got one of them. Going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll be back with a whole lot more. Blaine Henry joining the program in just a little bit to talk about the world of MMA and UFC. And, of course, also a little bit of the coronavirus talk. Greg Peterson 
10, 11.15, excuse me. We'll talk with him about the world of college basketball. And then Ross Jackson, All Saints Consider Locked On Saints podcast. We'll talk to him about the Saints and also the coronavirus. And again, full disclosure, this show has been previously taped over the course of a couple of days. And we actually, the during the Ross Jackson interview, we had the news break about the NBA's season coming to an end. So trust me, you want to hear this, the live reactions. I think this is the beauty of the show being previously recorded. Because so much crap has happened over the last 48 hours, it's wild. We'll be back after this on 103.7 The Game. Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037game1037thegame.com. And everybody asks, what the hell are we going to talk about over the course of the next few weeks? Because if there's no sports, what the hell are we going to get into? Well, you know, I just more, in this case, want to get into some of the future talk. And, you know, I'll have Blaine Henry on to talk a little bit about the future of UFC and combat sports in general, because I think that definitely is going to be a sport that's definitely going to be criticized, what's going to happen there going forward. But what's going to happen with the XFL? Because the XFL is suspended. And now you got potentially players could be leaving. You could be gone and go to the NFL after this suspension has been announced. So XFL players can sign NFL contracts. That's going to be something to talk about over the next few weeks because this is the second go-round of the XFL. What's going to happen to the future of a league that had such a bright one? Or we were sitting here, you know, half-jokingly and half-not, talking about a future with the XFL being that second tier, being that next big thing that people are going to watch in the, in the spring, that, that gap between the XFL and the start of NFL free agency and the draft and everything in between. It was going to be that, that, that barrier where you could have football talk almost 365 days a year if you were in the right market. Over the last week, I've been wanting to talk to Jordy and Ben about, you know, what if there was a potential for an XFL franchise to be here in Cajun country? I know there's some talk about trying to get one in New Orleans, but I think the Cajun field would be a great site for it, to be quite honest with you. But, of course, we're talking about the XFL and what's going to happen with its future. i got a lot of people who would texting me and getting, going back and forth with me about what the future could be of the XFL. And the XFL put out a statement on Thursday, which is at the time this is going to be taped. Currently, the XFL will be not will not be paying, playing its regular season games. All players will be paid their base pay and benefits for the rest of the regular season. Great move. All XFL ticket holders will be issued refunds or credit towards future games because the XFL is committed to playing a full season in 2021 and future years. I hope the XFL can return in 2021. And I think they have a good chance for that to happen. And my question is, you know, how do things go with the XFL in its third reboot, I guess? Because they're kind of rebooting after only playing a half a season. I think there's a solid chance where they can bring it back. And I'll tell you why. It's not like the AAF 
where they ended because they assumed they had money and they didn't. I can hear Steve Spurrier saying that in my ear right now about, hey, they assumed they had money. You know what happens when they assume, right? I, I'm doing a very bad uh, Steve Spurrier impression, but just visualize. I think I've got the video on YouTube, 1037 The Game on YouTube. Google, search that. You'll see what I'm talking about. Steve Spurrier talking about the AAF and the failure that it was, and also talking about a potential coach in the XFL. He's flexible with it. Maybe there's a team in Orlando that could wind up happening. But that's a different conversation for a different day. But what happens with the XFL? I think it sticks around beyond this season, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's one man and one man only that can determine that. And that one man is Vincent Kennedy McMahon with all the money that he has. He's a billionaire. A billionaire. And there's money behind it. There's actual honest-to-God investment. So I think there's every chance for the XFL to make the comeback. Is it going to like ramp up? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. But it's a step in the right direction. I just can't wait to see what happens with the XFL going forward if it returns. If it doesn't, it's just another disappointing moment in the legacy that is Vince McMahon. You know, it goes in with the WBF. It goes in with, oh, man, you know, all the other stuff that he's tried to do. The original XFL, all the things he tried to do outside of the world of pro wrestling, and it fails. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, and we're going to come back with a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Blaine Henry, Fight Library Podcast, next. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live as always from the two, from the 103.7 The Game studios. Excuse me, kind of had a slip up there. But right now we're going to go over to the game hotline, 337-706-0111 to talk to our guy who covers the world of MMA unlike any other the, of the Fight Library podcast. We're talking about to Blaine Henry. Blaine, what's going on, dude? What is up, Clint? How are you doing, my man? Thank you for having me on once again ahead of this giant mega fight of Khabib and Tony. I'm so excited. Uh, I think everybody's excited for that one. It's coming up before too long. But before we get to that, we need to take a step back. And before we even get to some of the stuff with the UFC, I want to get your thoughts. You and I talked about this more off-air through text, but what were your thoughts on the Fury Wilder 2? Did that live up to all of your expectations? I absolutely, uh, we talked about it, and I said I was pulling for Deontay Wilder, but I thought Tyson Fury was going to get the job done. I did not see Tyson Fury knocking out Deontay Wilder in the way he did. Um, he came in there and executed a game plan. He showed that he learned something in that 12th round he got knocked down in, in the first fight, that Deontay Wilder does not play good off of his back foot. He needs a crow hat to, uh, or a step forward, I should say, to uh, lend his full power. And if you have him pedaling backwards and you push him the pace, 
it doesn't stand a chance, and Tyson Fury proved that. I mean, we got to kind of also give a lot of credit to Wilder's kind of plan backfiring a little bit, kind of focusing on just trying to get that one punch. He wasn't even going to get all that strength. You brought up the fact that back foot, I mean, his, his legs just weren't kind of underneath him for much of that fight. A lot of it had to do with that, that Megazord-looking outfit he had. I, I have never seen anything quite like it. I think it's safe to say he's retiring that gimmick. Yeah, I, I, it was weird. That's, that's back and does stuff like that all the time. I remember Anthony Joshua got on a stage, and the stage lifted up about 10 feet in the air and shot fire from it. They're about times and circumstance in boxing. Um, so, I mean, I, I see Wilder doing something similar, but it won't be a heavy costume like he had. Um, I don't buy the, the 40 pounds excuse because he was on Joe Rogan's podcast saying he trains with a 45 pound vest. But, you know, uh, he, he'll probably abandon the gimmick. I think everybody should be abandoning a gimmick where you're having to kind of do that kind of stuff. I think everybody should be adopting what um, uh, Tyson Fury did, where basically you get the king's entrance and you don't have to walk worth a damn. You actually just have them carry you to the ring. Maybe not with Patsy Cline every time, but still, I think that might be the strategy people might wind up using more and more. Yeah, that was super cool, actually. And I'm not a fan of the whole boxing interest thing, but I do like I did like Tyson Fury's interest where he was riding on the throne and he had people carrying him. That was cool, too. Talk right now with Blaine Henry Fight Larry Perry Podcast, and now we're going to kind of take a look back at what happened this past weekend with an absolutely fantastic card on paper that kind of ex- exceeded expectations, especially with the 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 penultimate match in the women's strawweight division, getting to give you some help, a little tutorial, and how to pronounce some of these <laughs> fighters' names, because I'm having a hard time trying to figure I was talking with somebody the other day. I was having a hard time trying to figure out how to pronounce their name. All right, so the, the Chinese lady, you say her name backwards, is Zhang Wiley. Okay. And the other girl's name is from Poland, um, is Joanna Yemjacek. So you can say Wiley and Joanna. That'll make life a lot easier. <laughs> That's what I'm about to say. That makes that sounds like it makes things makes life a lot easier. But I think everybody was looking forward to the Israel Adesanya Yoel Romero fight. But we'll take we'll look at that one a little bit later. But I want to talk about the the women's strawweight fight. What it, that was probably one of the best women's fights I've seen in a long time. That is an early front runner. That is the best front women's fight I've ever seen. That is an early front runner, and I don't know if anybody will ever pass it. It's a fight of the year. It was a fantastic fight. I knew going in it was going to be a great fight. Uh, Jayla puts on a great pace. Um, she had never gone as deep into a fight as she had, whereas Joanna has always gone five rounds. She always goes the distance in all of her fights. Um, Joanna has a tie with Ryan Rogers for most title defenses. So her and uh, Wiley was a great, great matchup on paper, and it lived up to the hype for sure. I was excited to just the entire fight. I was, I was hyped up watching it. And it was a split decision, but I think everybody was kind of upset with what happened between Israel Adesanya, Yoel Romero, from what I was hearing from a lot of people, that it kind of slipped my mind. I was on vacation, so I wasn't necessarily paying as much attention as I normally do to the fight game. But, man, I definitely heard a lot of people weren't a fan of the main event of UFC 248. Well, going back to those walkouts, Israel Adesanya had a great walkout. Uh, he had people throwing his, his rose petals down for him to walk on. But, yeah, the fight was a bit of a dud from what everybody was thinking. The first... 90 seconds of the fight, Yoel Romero goes there and just stands there with his hands up. He won't punch. He doesn't walk. He's not bouncing. He's just standing there. Um, and then he wants to say, 
Izzy didn't want to um, engage, which is bull, because uh, Izzy's a counter-striker. That's how he fights. And he's basically, Yo Romero's basically throwing a fit because Israel Adams finally didn't fight stupidly. And I think that's just laughable. So right now with our guy Blaine Henry, Fight Library podcast, and just it was an underwhelming ending to what looked like on paper again. It felt like the on paper this was going to be a really fun card, to say the least. I mean, we brought up those two big fights towards the end of the night, but overall, all around, it looked to be a really intriguing card. Oh, yeah, and it was a really intriguing card. You had Sigerson O'Malley back after two years off, um, and he's one of the most exciting fighters in the Bantamweight division. Emil Darius got a, a, a Blitzkrieg uh, first round knock, or second round knockout, I'm sorry, after being wobbled. Uh, overall, it was a great card. Um, if you if you ignore the, the main event, you would give a happy person exactly and it's just overall just very very frustrating but we can also kind of look at the bright side of things and know that we've got something big coming on the super fight of all super fights with khabib and ferguson squaring off inside the octagon but you also got jessica Andrade and rose facing off again in a rematch this is probably going to be like one of the best cards in this early year oh yeah absolutely um you're looking if you realize Zhang Weili, uh, the winner of Andrade and Rose Namajunas is probably going to fight her for the belt next. And I put my money on Rose winning this fight. And Rose and Weili is a phenomenal, phenomenal fight. I, I am really excited on the idea of that one. It's not even a, it's not even in the works yet because Rose has a fight. But if that fight goes down, I'm ready for it. And, you know, we can definitely kind of talk about just what's going on with the Khabib fight, Tony Ferguson, that one, that ju- that should probably be just an absolute blood bloodfest. Oh, my goodness. So if anybody watched the press conference, it was one of the most weird things you've ever seen, um, which is to be expected from Tony Ferguson. He's an odd character. And he seems to have gotten under Khabib's skin a little bit there, talking about street fights, and Khabib's never been in a street fight, so... I'm interested to see how Khabib plays because Connor really couldn't get in his head, but Tony seems to have gotten in his head, which is weird. But I'm I'm all for it. If they bang, they bang. I love it. Talk right now with a guy, Blaine Henry, Fight Library podcast. I'm just absolutely loving it. What's going on right now? And it is just, it's amazing. But at the same time, just kind of flipping on over to what I think everybody's talking about right here, right now, and just looking at what the UFC's. We haven't heard anything about the UFC with the coronavirus plans, right? We haven't heard anything about any changes to how they're going to wind up presenting fights if some cards are going to wind up getting canceled due to this. Well, UFC Brasilia is this weekend, and that's a great card as well. I'm sorry. Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. Um, you have uh, Damian Maya and Gilbert Burns, which is another great fight. But that card, due to travel issues, is um, is it's not canceled yet, but people are concerned about it. Uh, you have other cards and other promotions around the world, like Cage Warriors just had a bunch. Um, that's one of the main feeding leagues for the UFC. Cage Warriors just had a bunch of fighters have to pull out. Italy has had a lot of promotions have to cancel fights. The newest uh, promotion, Aries FC, had to push the card back from April to October. Um, so coronavirus is, is sweeping around everywhere, and I have a feeling that some of the fights for this weekend's card might not come to fruition, and if not, it'll be next weekend's card. We'll definitely have a hit. Um, I know a lot of the time uh, fighters do uh, they travel in advance down to where they're going to fight, so most of them are probably in Brazil right now. 
The UFC also likes to stack cards with a lot of more local fighters, so Brazilians are already in Brazil. Um, so we'll see how this card fares and how the next couple cards fare. And let's pray, please pray, that Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov is not affected by the coronavirus. Because if so, I don't ever want this match made again. This will be the fifth time this thing canceled, and I'm done getting my hopes up. Exactly. We're just kind of sick and tired of all the getting our hopes up, but my question to you, you next is this, when it's stick with the coronavirus for a minute, Blaine, is would you be okay? And I know March Madness, they're going to wind up moving to having just a completely empty arena for the, for all those games outside of, obviously, the bare essentials. Would you be okay with seeing a UFC 249 be in front of an empty arena just so this fight can actually happen? Yes, um, I'm completely fine with that if you look into I follow, look, all right, before you laugh, I follow all combat sports, so that uh, includes sumo wrestling. And the current sumo uh, wrestling tournament right now is in an empty arena. We're talking about the NCAA wrestling being in an empty arena, like the basketball. Um, I would be fine with it. Um, it's, it's honestly, I, I love fights. I really do. But the public health is more important than fights. And if they find a way and they, the fighters agree, hey, let's go ahead and fight to to nobody, I'm fine with it. It'll be one of the more bizarre things the UFC's ever had to do. But I'd, I'd, I'd still be okay with an empty stadium. Well, this entire situation is just completely bizarre from point A to point B. Seeing games get canceled and, you know, full disclosure, this is being taped on a Wednesday. This is like right after kind of everything has all started to happen, how several events are getting canceled, several games are getting postponed, potentially, potentially, you know, again, this is being taped on Wednesday, potentially WrestleMania in a month's time, and Tampa Bay could very well be canceled. So this is just an ongoing ordeal where you just don't know which way things are going to go. Yeah, and, you know, uh, people people get upset. Oh, they're canceling this. They're canceling uh, the big events. They're canceling, like, this big video game conference. E3 has just been canceled officially. Um, a lot of that, yeah, that's it sucks that that happened, um, but it's just fights, and the public health is way more important than a fight or E3 or basketball or anything like that. I completely get it. I understand 100%. And, you know, I'll be upset if Tony Ferguson, like I said, I joked around with him a minute ago, but I completely get it if the fight is canceled or if it's like in front of an empty stadium. That's fine. Honestly, I'd like to see it in an empty stadium. That would be um, an interesting highlight, let's say. I'd have to agree with you. And a couple more questions here. And I'm going to lump these two together because I feel like this is just an interesting way to handle this. So I'm going to try and make sure I say this the right way. You've got Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker in the in the works for a UFC San Diego main event on May 16th. And then we've, we've talked about it, but it looks like it's official right with Maurice Hooker and Regis Progress squaring off. What is it with guys from the state of Louisiana – Facing guys with the last name Hooker. What is up with that? <laughs> I've never noticed that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, man. I don't know. It has to be something with the New Orleans connection or something. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it just weird? Yeah. I, I didn't. You, you just brought that to my attention, and oh, my gosh, I, I've never noticed that. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> But how how much like fun is that going to be to see Dustin Poirier in a UFC main event? Mind you, it's not at the level that we saw him in about a, almost like six seven months ago, where he was on on top of the world. But still, being in a UFC main event is really cool to see. Yeah, 
Dustin Poirier is a fantastic fighter. Um, you know, Dan Hooker is a great fighter as well. He came off of a very pretty good win over Paul Felder. But if Paul Felder can hit you, Dustin Poirier sure as well can hit you too. And I see that happening a lot if uh, if that is actually finalized, which it probably will be finalized. The two want to fight each other. So it's a great. It's going to be great to see Dustin Poirier back in the main event. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have any Louisiana events covered uh, or scheduled yet, so it won't be here. But, man, I'd love to see that. It would be a good fight. And it's a great bounce-back fight for Dustin Poirier, too. And it also gives uh, Dan Hooker an opportunity to uh, prove that he is top five worthy for the lightweight division, which is a tough division. Exactly. And, you know, Blaine, thank you so much for coming on, my man, and having a lot of fun talking about the fight game with you. As always, we'll talk to you down the road, and definitely be safe out there with, with this coronavirus stuff going on. You too, my brother. Take it easy, and I appreciate you having me on. All right, that was Blaine Henry, Fight Library Podcast. Absolutely love having that guy on. Follow him on Twitter, at Blaine Henry MMA. I was always loving talking the fight game, and more importantly, about Louisiana guys fighting other guys with the last name Hooker. I was trying to make sure I didn't make any jokes about something else, and you can kind of fill in the blank there. I was trying to make sure I handled that in the most PC way possible, and if you do me well enough, PC definitely... Ain't the way I be. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap up our number one in style. Next, you're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. We set it off in this piece. Hopefully you have a great rest of your Saturday morning and enjoy yourself. And I am just absolutely looking forward to just crushing on this. Again, it's just a pretty decent Saturday afternoon. It's not necessarily the greatest. Because, of course, I wish we could talk about the SEC tournament. The LSU Tigers, could they be playing in the next round of the tournament? Hell, I'd love to see that. But... Honestly, it just is what it is. Hopefully, you know, you're out there enjoying yourself on this Saturday afternoon and hopefully you're just looking to try and find something to fill that void. And I'll say this, you know, I'm just looking forward to kind of enjoying some binge watching because, you know, one of the big things for me is when it comes to just the day-to-day grind of 103.7 The Game and also covering the countless sporting events we do deal with, Sometimes you just kind of lose time to watch some shows that you might wind up enjoying. I miss out on so many different programs over the course of, like, several weeks. Hell, I've missed out on several episodes of Raw and All Elite Wrestling. I'm definitely catching up on that. But I'm also catching up on Mr. Robot because the final season will be released on DVD soon. Hopefully the coronavirus doesn't delay that. So that's what I'm going to wind up doing. Catching up on some of my favorite shows that I've watched that I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily able to watch on a regular basis. In the case of Mr. Robot, it's no longer on the final seasons coming out on Blu-ray. I missed out on that final season. Largely because, well, I'm here for the most part on Wednesday nights with five guys, stories and lies going till eight o'clock. And I'm sometimes I'm here till nine, but that's just the nature of the beast sometimes. 
sometimes the business just I can't necessarily watch all the shows I want because I'm glued to the tube to watch a Wednesday night basketball game or maybe even a Thursday night college football game where you really don't care. But I'm just looking forward to seeing that. I'm also interested to see what happens with the four-letter network going forward because you've got four different stations that you have to kind of fill 24 hours of content with. And I'm talking about the main ones, the big mothership, the deuce, the U, and news. Like, how do you fill 24 hours worth of content where it's not just the same old thing? Because, you know, somebody brought it up on Twitter. Bring back ESPN Classic. Put that on the deuce. Bring back that old stuff because they've got so much old archive footage. They could probably do something really awesome with that. And CBS Sports Network, CBS SN, they don't have anything to really fill time with. They could run, and this is just me, I think they're going to rerun everything that they could. I'd say, and this is something that I'm just throwing out there into the ether. CBS Sports Network, which airs Jim Rome in the simulcast, they need to rerun every single game from the NCAA tournament from start to finish. Maybe condense it a little bit, but I think you can do every single game from the NCAA tournament last year to at least give us something. Give us something to whet our appetites for the NCAA tournament returning next year. This is the first time ever, if I'm not mistaken, that things could happen. You know, it's the show must go on when it comes to sports radio. We're going to have to kind of figure out what we're going to talk about. I was talking with Jordy before I wound up going on my little mini VK. I was originally supposed to go to Houston, but I mentioned earlier, my mom was in bad health a couple weeks ago. She's still in the hospital at the time of this recording on Thursday. And that already canceled it. I already had vacation day planned, so I took the day off. I also said, you know, just take the rest of the weekend off. Just go ahead and enjoy it. I wasn't going to cover a Cages game on Sunday. That got canceled. So I'm kind of just sitting here. Spitting in the wind, looking to figure out something to do. I'll probably binge watch some stuff. I'll probably kick back, relax, and enjoy things. And come Monday, the show must go on. We'll figure out something to do. And one of the ideas I talked about with Jordy was a watch-along of his 1980, the only time LSU won the SEC title. And that's basically talk about that game and what was going on through his mind and go through that season. I feel like there's some really cool stuff that we can do with that. That's Future Talk. Hour 2 coming up next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. We'll be back after this. Played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's And get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And off we go. Welcome back to the Muscles to Do Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. 
Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Sports talk? Um, we'll, we'll see what we can do in terms of sports talk. Easier said than done, but at the end of the day, we got to try and move forward and try and figure out what the hell we're going to talk about over the next presumably four weeks. Are we just going to do mock drafts every week? Are we going to continue to try and go down that primrose path? It's interesting, to say the least, when it comes to the world of sports and what that means for us. Sports is always going to be a big distraction, a point of, like, basically, it's that thing that can take your mind off of a lot of different things. Trust me, sports has gotten people through a lot and help people feel better sometimes. I can think of several different reasons why I love sports, and I think it's largely because of the fact that sometimes you just need a momentary distraction to kind of an escape from where you can say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy my life. Instead of being in fear all the time. I see a lot of people out there that are constant, that are just paranoid as all get out, thinking the worst about all this. And they are just going crazy, buying up like tons of toilet paper for no reason. You don't need that much toilet paper. I mean, I think you probably have about like 24 to 30 in one of those big things of toilet paper. You probably need like maybe two of those. Let some people have some. That's something that really kind of just burns my beans. Seeing people out there buying up every single bit of toilet paper. And seeing that, it's like, why is toilet paper amongst your list of things? You know, I'd much rather say, hey, I need to go get food. I'll get some toilet paper. I don't think toilet paper is going to be a like, priority numero uno. I think water. I think Tylenol. I think Advil. I think stuff like that. St- medicine, pharmacy stuff that can help you if you maybe catch the coronavirus or maybe, just maybe, you're going to be under the weather for a few days. Because at the end of the day, you want to try and avoid being sick with people who could be susceptible to the coronavirus. People with bad immune systems. People whose, I'd say, you know, they've got their previous health problems they're going to be dealing with. It's just a whole situation that we're going to have to kind of like figure out and touch and go, especially here in sports radio. It feels like we just don't know what to do in this situation. I wasn't doing sports radio when September 11th happened. I was listening to something Mad Dog was talking about back whenever 9-11 happened. He wanted to have some sort of normalcy. And it's hard to do when you think about it. Just what's what are we going to talk about when sports doesn't exist in sports radio? Are we just going to spend our time talking about, you know, the NFL draft? What's going to happen with those teams? Predictions for the 2020 season? you got to try to figure out how to fill voids. And I think there's a lot of different things that we can talk about. And I've got a lot of different ideas. One idea I had in my mind was saying, hey, get a guest on and tell him, hey, I want to have you on for as long as humanly possible. Let's say a guy like Jake DeLome, fill an hour of content with that and make it very much more of a shoot. 
just make it more of an interview where it's about them. It's about their life story. Because then you could probably get like really awesome stories. And I'm thinking about Five Guys Stories and Lies when they had Jake DeLoma on. Because I think that one was a strong example of how much you can talk about sports, but it's more the history. You know, we could spend time, you know, talking about him with the Saints. We could we could have probably a 45 minute conversation with Aaron Brooks about the backwards pass. But at the end of the day, you know, I'd like to know what happened. Like, what was his reaction whenever things ended during that? just got awful 2005 season with Hurricane Katrina and everything that he dealt with. And then after that, you, he gets released. Jim Hazlitt gets fired. He's gone. What was his thought process? What was, was he concerned about his future well-being? You know, there's a number of questions I could think of just off the top of my head to ask a guy like him that could probably fill a couple segments, you know, and that's the big thing is filling these segments with not just content in general because I could probably do – a power ranking of every WrestleMania, and that would take up a whole hour of the show. But nobody wants to hear my thoughts on power ranking WrestleManias unless it's in a pro wrestling podcast, which I'm trying to come up with a name for right now. So just bear with me on that part. I'd love to do that kind of stuff, the power rankings, the Mount Rushmore's of everything. But I can only fill so much with it. I see, I've been, I follow a lot of people who are in this in this medium and they're wondering what the hell we're going to do. I think there's so many things that, especially here in sports radio that we can do to be creative and be different when it comes to just coming up with hours and hours of content. But how long can we do that for? How long can we hang on and keep you all entertained? Easier said than done. I could be spending hours doing power rankings and everything in between and mock drafts every Monday, but at the end of the day, that's just not going to intrigue your everyday listener. That's not going to intrigue you. That's what I want. I want to be the person that kind of intrigues and makes you think about things. Sure, I like to be entertaining as hell, but guess what? You know, I'd like you to take away from this show a lot of different things. I opened the show talking about how my mother, she's been in the hospital for the last couple weeks, and I didn't expect to really bring that up heading into today's show, heading into the recording studio. I did not expect to talk about that when I'm inside the 103.7 Game Studios. But I needed to. It was therapeutic. And maybe you've had a loved one kind of deal with something that was very, that they were in the hospital for several days or even weeks. I honestly didn't ever want to talk about it on the air because it was like the day it happened. It was so nerve wracking because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was next. And there was so much uncertainty, a lot like what maybe a lot of you are feeling. Maybe what a lot of the people in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NCAA are feeling. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much like, I don't know what's going on. And it's hard to kind of figure it all out. You know, sometimes you just got to figure, sometimes you just got to go with what feels like the best possible option to move forward and set yourself up really nicely for success long term rather than risking stuff for the short term. I think that's what everybody did. And it was the right thing to do. Sure, it might suck for us not to talk about all things sports. 
on a sports talk station, but, you know, we can have a lot of different fun with it. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And my goodness, it feels like the downfall of all sports right about now. Just how everything's kind of gone over the last few days. And again, full disclosure, this is a pre recorded show, but we're inside the game studios. And I've got on the game hotline right now our guy, our college basketball guru. We're not talking about college basketball going on. We're talking about college basketball not being a thing and what the impact is for this, not only this, but sports in general, just from a Vegas perspective. And to do that, we go to the game hotline once again. Our guy, Greg Peterson. Greg, what's going on, man? Uh, man, well, typically there's a lot going on in March. Now, not so much, but always good to be joining you. I appreciate you joining the show. And, you know, one of the big questions that I've just been wondering is, and this is just more towards the futures market, because obviously you can't bet on games that weren't going to happen. But when it comes to the futures of, like, who was going to be the NCAA college basketball national champion, what what changes there in the Vegas perspective of things? What happens there with those people who put money, who put shekels down on teams like Kansas and Kentucky and do to win the, win it all. Like, what happens there? Very simple. It's a refund. Everyone just gets your money back. The book doesn't make any money. If you just show your ticket, you're going to get the amount that you paid. So let's say that you laid down 100 bucks to try to win 1000 on Kansas. You just show them your ticket. You're going to get your $100 back. It is that plain and simple. And it's the most fair way to go about it because, let's face it, we have no champion. We have no NCAA tournament. So even if you would have had, like, Save a team that wound up getting knocked out, like Georgia State wound up getting knocked out of the Sun Belt a couple days ago. If you had a future ticket on them, well, congratulations. You just avoided yourself a beat because you're going to be getting <laughs> your money back. That's the way that they're handling it up for everything. I like the way they're handling it because that you just don't have an official champion. I'm sure the NCAA might ret- – like, that's another thing I want to ask you. With the NCAA, could they retroactively – basically say, hey, the AP number one heading into the final week, heading into the championship week, is the national champion? I don't think that would be a good way of going about it because then you would essentially have voters voting on the champion, and I don't think that we want to be going down that rabbit hole. So I think it's best to just leave it vacant because, as we were talking about as well, this is one of the most open years ever that we've seen in college basketball to just give Kansas a championship without playing any sort of a Big 12 championship tournament or anything like that, I think it's best to just leave it wide open. This is just essentially a lost cause for any sort of a champion. I mean, it's unprecedented territory, and it's resulted in an unprecedented result where we don't have a champion. It's just such a weird situation right now. For the first, If I'm not mistaken, Greg, this is the first time ever March Madness has been completely canceled. Yeah, this has to be. I mean, maybe the last time we had it was 
before there was an NCAA tournament. I think that's like 1930-something. I remember the Oregon team wound up winning the NCAA tournament, I think, in 1939. So we have to go back to 1938. And back then there were eight teams in the NCAA tournament. So it's one of these spots in which we've never seen a cancellation like this before. We do remember there was a time in which the NIT was actually bigger than the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, this is just something that we've never seen before. It almost reminds me of, and I hate to bring it up, you remember that one week in which because of 9-11, the football games and everything like that, they were all postponed for a week. It's like that, only we're not going to be getting college basketball at all. We're not going to get college basketball at all. And, you know, over here in the Acadian area, we love our college baseball. We love our college softball. That's canceled as well. So it's like a double whammy, and now we're just waiting. Like, ironically, now we're waiting for baseball to get here, and they push opening day back two weeks. And I know you definitely spent some time putting money on baseball. How much does this kind of change the way you go about things on a daily basis over in Sin City? This is just one of these spots in which I'm going to wait it out. I'm not going to try to become, like, an expert on camel racing, which is actually now being offered (laughs) at Bovada, by the way. So there is actually... Camel racing that is being offered and everything like that, but with that said, it's not one of these spots where I'm going to be looking to something like that. You just make the best of a bad situation. You take a look to the future. You start planning for the 2020-2021 college basketball season. You take a look forward at baseball. You hope that it returns as quickly as possible, and when it does return, you just try to be prepared with it. That's all that you can do. Don't go out there trying to bet on, like, some international league that you have no idea about. I have a philosophy. I don't bet what I don't know. I don't know anything about Chilean soccer. I'm not going to put my hard-earned money on it. All right, Greg, you brought up an interesting point about camel racing. So I'm going to ask you this question. Is camel racing the most degenerate gambling thing you've ever heard of? I think women's flat track water derby has to be number one. I think that this is a very close number two. I mean, this is just so bad. I mean, could you imagine being like, honey, we need to take out a second mortgage. Why? I bet on Humpty Dumpty in the camel <laughs> racing event that's taking place in some place that you've never heard of before. I mean, it's just so bad. And I encourage nobody to partake in that unless you're an actual horse racing ex- or an actual camel racing expert. If you're an expert in camel racing, you know what? This is a prime time for you because there's a little bit of a need for it. But with that said, if you've never done it before, don't try to become something that you're not. Exactly. Don't try to become something that you're not, especially when it comes to betting on camel racing. Talking right now with Greg Peterson, our college basketball guru. We've had him on throughout the season. And I want to flip things over just a little bit more of the conversation about let's have a little fun here because, honestly, we need to kind of have a slight distraction. I know sports is usually our distraction. Now that's kind of taken away from us. Let's have a little fun with the hypotheticals here. So we know all the conference champions are in. Who would be your top four seeds, hypothetically speaking, after all this? After all the conference tournaments were canceled and you knew Selection Sunday was going to happen? I was going to go with Baylor and Kansas for sure. I think you'd have to put Dayton and Gonzaga in there as well because Dayton, they were the DJ Khaled of college basketball. All they were doing was winning. Lone two losses in overtime against Colorado. And then that just absolutely stunning game against Kansas as well out there in Maui. Gonzaga, they were able to win the West Coast Conference Tournament. They were just tearing through teams left and right. And then Baylor, they had lost three out of their last five, but they had a body of work that showed that they were a very good team. And Kansas, 
they were the number one team in all of college basketball. So those would have been my four number one seeds. What seed would you have put LSU in? Again, we're sticking with the same kind of situation we're in now where obviously the, the conference tournaments were canceled and we're just jumping to selection Sunday and then we want to play in another time. Honestly, I had not looked that far. I had been doing a whole heck of a lot less bracketology than before. I mean, LSU probably in like an 8-9 game, but, I mean, that's an uneducated guess. I was waiting to see where LSU was going to be myself. So, I mean, I probably would have had them in that range, but obviously it's just a situation in which we're never going to know, unfortunately. We're never going to know, but, again, we can have a little bit more fun with this, kind of just looking at how things went. Obviously, one of the big stories over the course of college basketball season was, without a doubt, San Diego State with a phenomenal regular season run. Yeah, they tripped up late in the season, but definitely we're still going to be a high seed in your mind. How far would they would they have gone in your mind? I think that they probably would have been a two seed. It all depends on the matchup, though. I know that Joe Lenardi would have had the winner of the 7-10 matchup be Texas Tech versus Arizona. If you wind up getting a 10-seed Texas Tech against San Diego State, I think that there's a good chance that Texas Tech would have been able to take them down. San Diego State was certainly showing some falters late in the season. They were getting off to slow starts. They certainly had some good backcourt play. Malachi Flynn, assisted turnover ratio of three, able to sink threes. But that's a Texas Tech team that led by Davide Moretti, who was a big part of that national championship team. I think that they would have been able to take them down. This is a San Diego State team that I felt like could have lost in the round of 32. They just didn't play anyone from January on. Talk right now with our guy Greg Peterson, uh, our college basketball guru, part of the Hooping with Hoops podcast, and also a part of VEASAN out in Sin City. And, you know, one of the big things that I've just been thinking about lately is the fact that the tournament has been canceled completely. Instead of, you know, possibly just doing Selection Sunday like we were just talking about, starting Selection Sunday and moving forward with it, whenever it's clear that time has enough time has passed to where the coronavirus is not a big issue to deal with, like, do you think that would have even been a possibility for this thing to be played in mid-May and go and have the Final Four be in the month of June? I was hoping so as well. I was of the proponent that you should postpone it. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot of logistical issues. And the biggest one of which we have to keep in mind, a lot of these kids graduate in early May. So there are a lot of guys that they're going to be prepping for the NBA and everything like that. So obviously, it would have been very difficult being able to get all those venues. I would have loved to see them, at the very least, give it a shot. I do understand where they're coming from, that it would have been a logistical nightmare. But as we know, there's a lot of money with regards to the NCAA tournament. You could hype it up for two months and everything like that. So there certainly would have been enough money to be able to offset those costs. But with regards to just kids' lives in general, I do understand where they're coming from. But like I said, even I would have wished that they would have taken a little bit more of a wait-and-see approach before canceling it all together. Yeah, but, you know, whenever you have Harvard kind of coming out of the gate well before anybody else even close to it, and, of course, it's the eggheads that are able to get things done early with Harvard and Yale and all the Ivy League canceling the tournament. Were you surprised when that announcement happened? Actually, the first ones were Chicago State because they were supposed to have a road trip to Seattle. That was all the way back last weekend, and they wound up canceling that. So 
Actually, Chicago State was number one. Now, if you know anything about Chicago State, they are one of the worst teams in college basketball. I was actually of the proponent that they were using the coronavirus as an excuse to not get completely destroyed by 30 points by the Red Hawks again. But with that said, they were number one. And then Harvard and Yale, the Ivy League schools, they were obviously number two. It's not a surprise to me that the smart kids seem to always get it right. But with that said, well, how I knew something was very serious is when you go back to that Utah Jazz versus Oklahoma City Thunder game a couple of days ago, they were literally seconds away from tip. And then you've got the head trainer just sprinting like his wife depends on it. And he wound up just telling the folks that they needed to postpone the game. That's when you knew something very serious was going on. So we're now Greg Peterson, our college basketball expert. And, you know, just looking at everything, you know, and obviously I, the next question I want to ask revolves around what happened earlier on Thursday was the fact that you had the Duke, Duke and Kansas both kind of saying, hey, we're pulling out. We're not going to be part of the NCAA tournament if in the event it does happen. How much did that have to do in your mind with the entire with the entire tournament being scrapped because of the fact those two are such ratings draws, no matter how many people love to hate guys like Coach K and love to hate guys like Bill Self. How much did that have to do with the decision in your mind? When I saw that Kansas pulling out the NCAA tournament and Duke was as well, I knew that there was going to be no NCAA tournament. That's just the way that it is. I mean, it's so hard to have an NCAA tournament without two of the top teams in the country. You knew that there would be other schools that followed suit as well. You knew that Duke wasn't going to be out there on an island. They were going to pull out and everyone else was going to be like, ah, yeah, we're just going to stick with it. So that's what I really knew. This thing is going to be going from being postponed slash playing without fans to being completely canceled. So that was the writing on the wall right there for me. All right, one more for you, Greg. I know you do a lot of stuff with VSIN. You do a lot of stuff hooping with hoops podcast. I know you got a baseball podcast. You're waiting to drop down the road. But my question to you is, what the hell are we going to be talking about over the next like few weeks? Because, it, of course, it seems like right here, right now, we could be just waiting three weeks. But what if this thing goes longer, four, five, six weeks, maybe even two, three months down the road? We still don't have sports. What the hell are we going to be talking about, especially with y'all in Vegas? Like, Is it just going to be talking about camel racing on VSIN? We're going to be talking a lot about the futures market because the NFL has yet to alter their – league schedule so that is something that you're able to talk about you're able to preview football and we all know that the nfl is king so at the very least there's a little bit of something there i'm going to be launching that mlb overtime betting podcast within the next couple days so i'm going to be starting to take a look at that season when it's going to be picking up we don't know but at some point we should be able to get baseball back in our lives so that is what i'm going to be spending the time doing it is not ideal but once again you make the best out of a bad situation and bets that are won towards the end of these baseball seasons out there in October, November, and for college basketball, bets that are won in February and March in crunch time, they're actually won when you do the research in the off season, in my opinion. So it's all about being prepared when we get games, being able to spring into action, and just win when the time comes. Greg, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hopefully we'll have college basketball back on our lives next year. Yeah, Clint. Hopefully we get just sports in general back in our lives. It's a very strange time, but always glad to be joining you. Once again, I appreciate you, Greg Peterson. Going to be having him on hopefully next season when college basketball returns. Because, of course, I think we're just wanting to have sports back in our lives. Because, honestly, it's a weird place to be when you're not like watching sports 
on a regular basis. I've been sitting at home kind of like, I don't want to watch the four-letter network. I don't want to watch CBS Sports. It just feels like I'm watching CNN or Fox News now where it's nonstop talking about the coronavirus. Let me kind of have a little bit of a, a distraction, just like this show. We'll take a quick timeout, come back. We'll talk with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, Locked On Saints, and Canal Street Chronicles next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 Game.com. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game, 103.7 The Game.com, live inside the 103.7 The Game studios. And we got On The Game Hotline. When you hear that music, you know exactly who we have on. I shouldn't have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways, because it's been a good while since we had him on. And why not get him on just ahead of NFL free agency? Hopefully the NFL draft, we'll see with all this stuff going on. Ross Jackson aboard the game hotline. All Saints consider Canal Street Chronicles and the Locked On Saints podcast. I feel like this man is absolutely just going to take over the world of Saints coverage. Ross, what is going on, brother? Hey, brother. Doing well, man. Very glad to be here. Uh, it's a wild time, but glad to give it a to kick it with you here for a little bit. Thankfully, the coronavirus can't be transmitted over the phone line, so I think I think That's we're right. good. <laughs> I, I, we right. need to make light of this kind of stuff, but you know, oh, I, I guess yeah. it's the fact that. You and I both are relatively young, but we still have seen like the Y two K thing, all, all the right. all these vi- the swine flu, the bird flu, all that stuff. We've kind of been through the gambit of all this, but I think this was just hitting on like another level. It really is, and it really is like just the the the, the worldwide spread of this and the reaction to this is kind of something that we haven't experienced before with those things. I mean, like I think Y two K was probably the most doomsday e of yeah. all of the things that happened to where you actually like saw the daily effect. And so this has been kind of eye-opening to see the full just person-to-person effect day by day throughout all this. But you're right, man. we got to keep making, you know, look, we're, we're good. We can always talk football. We can always do this over the phone. Uh, so, you know, as long as we can bring some happiness and some distraction to people, I'm, I'm here for it. Exactly. Always want to have a bit of distraction. And, you know, we'll start things off having a little bit more fun with this because obviously March Madness, it's not canceled, thank God. But we're talking about, about like what's going on with it is obviously you have the March Madness. It's, no fans are going to be in there. So, and I, I saw somebody bring this up as basically, you know, would you like this to be piped in or the natural sound? I'm like, why not pipe it in? Make it sound like an Atlanta Falcons game. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I mean, it's been proven to be something that they can do. Uh, it doesn't yeah. work for you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do anything for you. But no, absolutely. Pipe, pipe that, that crowd sound in there. Make sure that they, you know, feel like they have something to play for in there. Because, you know, the, the fans and the, um, all of that reaction to everything just helps that adrenaline flow. But I'll tell you what, too, it will be interesting to just kind of watch these guys play and see if they take on kind of the attitude or, or, or the rhythm of like a pickup game. You know what I mean? And maybe just jawing at each one another and you know, at one another and just kind of having that kind of a game. And it'll, So it'll be interesting to see exactly how the no fan thing affects all of it. All right, Ross, you know, full disclosure, this is being pre-taped. It's a Wednesday. And again, this whole show is pre-taped. I'm kind of out and about out of town right now. But I saw this pop up just moments ago. The NBA suspending the season until further notice after Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. 
Boy, this whole thing escalated quickly. This really did. Like, just earlier today, it was kind of like everybody sort of felt like they were in a place where it was, you know, all right, things are kind of being managed, and, you know, they're just going to they're gonna play the games, but we're not going to have fans there. It's going to be, you know, select family. And now, all of a sudden, we're talking about suspending the entire league. Like, this is all so wild. It's crazy, Ross. Ross Jackson, I'm a Locked On Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles, All Saints Considered. The man just has so many hats he deals with. But, you know, just looking at what's going on with the NFL and the CBA agreement combined with this, do you think we wind up seeing a 2020 NFL season? Um, at this point, at this point, I will I will cast my vote in the positive that, yes, we will see a 2020 season, just because there's so much time between now and when that 2020 season begins. Um, you know, like you mentioned, like we've seen things akin to this before, maybe not to the level of this type of precaution, but you see the precautions that are being taken in this place and at this point. And it makes me feel like by the time that we roll around to August, September, that I feel pretty sane in saying, yeah, maybe we're in a good enough place. But it'll be interesting to see how it affects things like the the NFL draft, which is scheduled for next month at the end of April. And then, of course, free agency, because are these teams even going to feel comfortable like bringing people into the organization to <laughs> sign a contract for the first thing? But the draft will be interesting because I think you can continue to do that remotely. You don't have to have the fan aspect of it, and you can still do go through the process. It'll be interesting to see how this ends up affecting things that are part of the draft process in terms of, you know, tryouts and, and workouts and official visits and things like that. It's going to be absolutely wild to see what happens there in the not-too-distant future because the NFL draft is going to be in Las Vegas, Sin City, and they're going to, they were going to have them out on boats, and it was just going to be this awesome spectacle and kind of opening up the Las Vegas era of the NFL, and now we're just wondering what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, the Las Vegas area definitely opens up with a dud if this ends up affecting in that far into the future, which again isn't super far. I mean, it's just over a month. And so it's, um, yeah, man, this is going to be, this could be a wild month to watch and see how this affects the NFL for sure. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast. And just kind of stepped away from all that. Finally, we're going to move on from it after about like five minutes of us talking about it. Let's step away from that and look at what the Saints have done so far in this early offseason. Yes, the new year hasn't started yet, but looking at what they've been able to do so far, Taysom Hill, the first-round tender, does that almost secure him sticking around for at least one more year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think one of the reasons why you put a first-round tender on him is because you truly don't believe that another team is going to be willing to make an offer at the risk of a first-round pick for Taysom Hill, even though we love Taysom Hill and we know that. We know that he's somebody that is a big-time uh, sort of, I'll, I'll say, kickstarter for the New Orleans Saints in terms of the momentum and the way that they're able to get things going with him. But you know, you put a first-round tender on him so that you deter as many teams as possible. That sort of gives you a buffer. The attempt right now is to try to work the contract out before free agency opens up on right now what is supposed to be the 18th. Uh, next Thursday, but if they can't get that deal done by any uh, by you know any stretch of the imagination, or, or they're not able to come to an agreement, or perhaps the CBA gets pushed push back further, which could affect those contract negotiations, but it gives them a little bit of a buffer in terms of keeping other teams at bay while they can continue to uh, deal with his contract. And then, of course, if nothing happens, then he's on a one-year, somewhere around five million dollar contract as a restricted free agent. And, you know, just everything that's going on right now, Ross, is I, I think we need to kind of just look at the first things first. 
Drew Brees. He says he's coming back, and he says he's going to be part of the Saints in 2020. Why hasn't a deal been done yet in your mind? That's a great question. And for me, it has everything to do with the CBA. The intent was, and still is at this time, to get Drew Reeves' contract done before free agency opens up on the 18th. I think that's very much still the intent. But when the original deadline was supposed to be uh, tomorrow night, so essentially right before midnight over on the uh, Eastern Standard Time, and that was supposed to be the deadline for the CBA, for that, that CBA vote. And then when the CBA is established and either ratified or denied, and then that gives the teams the idea of, this is the CBA that the contracts are to be structured under. Gives them all the information they need to know about voidable years, about player options. I'm sorry, team options and team control, which they really don't know right now as it hangs in the balance with whether or not this new CBA is going to kick in in time, or if they're still going to be operating under the CBA that they assume they'd be operating under through 2020. So until that contract and that CBA vote is done, you might see the things and other teams as you've seen already hold off on those larger contract negotiations because they're not really sure which agreement their contract's going to be operating under at this time. And then we just look at what they did with the Taysom Hill, that first-round tender. Does that mean we see Teddy Bridgewater just go away now? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, Begrudgingly. I, I think that that's, that's, that's pretty that's, – Pretty accurate, actually. Um, I I don't really see a reality in which Teddy Bridgewater is a part of the New Orleans Saints next season. Not that I don't want him there. I'd love to see him here. But the issue is that you know, look, they're they're working out this new contract for Drew Brees now. He's coming back for at least another season. They're going to you know work to keep Taysom Hill around as well. And Teddy Bridgewater has the opportunity now to find a starting position in the NFL. And I think if he can find it, he should absolutely take it. I think the only thing that would keep him in New Orleans is if for some reason there is no starting position available and no team that's looking to bring him in as the starter. Uh, but I just don't see that as a reality. I think you'll see Teddy Bridgewater as a starting quarterback in the 2020 season. Exactly. He was supposed to kind of, like, you think about Teddy Bridgewater and all the teams that are available, like, that are going to be looking for starting quarterbacks, regardless of what some people are saying and, and, and right. posturing about. I think just in the NFC South alone, you've got the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not sure what they're going to do with their quarterbacks going forward. Cam Newton and all his injuries, potentially a conspiracy theory trade of Bengals going, sending Joe Burrow to the Panthers to be with Joe Brady. And I say Tampa Bay seems like the ideal destination for Teddy Bridgewater. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. I mean, he's going to get interest from a lot of other teams, and there's going to be, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, you talk about divisional teams and everything like that. You see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a team that was interested in them. Carolina Panthers could absolutely be a suitor, depending on what goes on with their quarterback situation. And so to see him remain in the NFC South uh, could actually work as a plus and a minus for the Saints, honestly, because it, it's a minus in that your guy has now gone to the NFC South. But you know what Teddy Bridgewater can do, right? You've worked against him in practice several times, so you had a little bit of an idea with him. That's kind of a, a, a far-fetched idea in terms of whether or not he ends up in the NFC South. But there's a lot of other teams out there that should be looking to potentially bring him in. You've got the Chargers that are going to be looking for a new starting quarterback. You've got the uh, the uh, the Colts as well, and then several others, including the Bears. The Bears have been heavily linked to him. Not as, uh, I guess really more so in talks and in terms of um, – uh, 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 what's the, the, I can't remember the word, speculation, mostly speculation at that point. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, it, it should be a really entertaining storyline to watch over the next couple of weeks. 
And just looking at some of the other notable free agents that I think everybody's going to be talking about going forward, Von Bell, I think, definitely is going to be a guy that you need to mm-hmm. kind of at least think about as a guy to try and re-sign and get him to stick around because I think that safety position is going to be a big key for him going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Remember just a couple of years ago where there was, you know, there were a lot of safeties out there. It was a big safety market, and all of a sudden there was just no money for safeties. And now there's a huge market for safeties all of a sudden, and it's, it's interesting how those trends uh, ebb and flow throughout the NFL. And we see that, you know, we're seeing that now with the uh, the running back position, which of course is a little bit more ebb than flow at this point. It's certainly in its valley more than its peak. But uh, you know, safety is going to be a big demand, and that's another guy, Von Bell, who's a Saints free agent that can get a lot of suitors out there. I mean, you look at a bunch of other teams. I can go back to the Colts. I can say within the division and look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, again, the Carolina Panthers who are going to be looking for safety. Miami is a team that's probably going to be very interested in Von Bell as well. But I look at Von Bell as sort of priority number two behind the 1A and 1B that are Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. I think that he's a guy that the Saints really, really want to keep in the building. He's somebody that's improved every single year, added an element to his game every single year, and now it's an opportunity for him to get a paycheck. But look for him to potentially be one of that, you know, one of those guys that you can file under the Mark Ingram category from last year as a beloved Saint that perhaps you know gets the idea that he can make more money elsewhere and then ends up taking another uh, ends up passing up on an opportunity to resign with the Saints to try his luck elsewhere and see how it works out. But I, I'm I'm hoping my fingers are crossed that the Saints will find a way to retain Von Bell. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, the Locked on Saints podcast. And let's flip on over and look ahead to the NFL draft. And the Saints are picking 24th. I don't think they they trade up to try and get one of these top-flight quarterbacks. But what's the best move in your mind for the Saints with that 24th overall pick? We can talk about all those other picks down the road, but right here, right now, Mm -hmm. the number 24 pick, what's the best position and best player available in your mind to get in that spot? Yeah, um, it's a really, really good question. The thing that's really great about the Saints, the thing that's really great about where the Saints actually need players is that those classes are really deep in terms of uh, what's what's there in the draft. Wide receivers very deep, cornerbacks very deep. They're talking about ten different starters, uh, ten, ten different players with starter potential at the cornerback position. Interior offensive line is pretty deep, but I look at interior offensive line and I also look at if the Saints end up losing Von Bell, uh, you know, a Grant Delpit or a Xavier McKinney. Uh, these safeties in the early rounds could be, you know, in, at 24, could be the type of a selection that if, if they lose on Bell and they aren't able to grab a safety in free agency to replace them or somebody that they feel comfortable with, then they end up, could potentially really open up the draft for themselves by addressing that safety or linebacker position or even the interior offensive line position at 24, as opposed to going with a really popular selection, which for them right now is wide receiver. Anytime you look at a mock draft across the league, including some of my own, there's been a wide receiver mocks them at 24. But because that wide receiver class is so deep, they actually can afford to wait a little bit and go for a wide receiver that could still very much have day one impact in rounds three or four. Talk right now, Rawls Jackson, for a couple more minutes. And, you know, just looking at the, looking at the CBA agreement, you're going to see the NFL players vote on this by Saturday. That's the deadline. Do you think they wind up agreeing to this CBA, or is there going to be some more changes they want? Uh, it's an interesting thing, right? So um, you're seeing a lot of the big sort of mega-rich players come out and say, hey, this is not a good deal. I won't be voting yes for this. So you see that from, let's say, J.J. Watt. Michael Thomas has even spoken up about it. Aaron Rodgers has been one of the 
most vocal as well as uh, Richard uh, Richard Sherman. And so there's a lot of players that are sort of in that uh, kind of uber-rich portion of the NFL that see this as um, uh, an agreement that doesn't really work in their favor because you add a 17th game, that 17th game is capped at a certain amount, and because teams have already agreed to contracts with players on 16-game seasons, that affects what that cap might be. And so it does feel like a little bit of a pay cut for the 17th game. And, of course, you add the 17th game, you add the additional playoff team. That's additional games that players end up playing, and that could lead to further injury in, uh, you know, in, in a league where the average average lifespan of a player, not lifespan, excuse me, but career span of a player is pretty short. You know, it's within three years. And so adding an additional game or, or potentially additional two games, if you're all of a sudden a new wildcard team uh, inter- introduced to the field, then that could eventually you know, shorten some of those careers. And that's what becomes the, a, a big concern for them, as well as you know, the certain limitations on how players that are no longer in the league but are suffering from injuries from the league still, even into retirement, there's been some limitations on how you qualify for pension and how you qualify for the health care and everything like that. And so while there are those limitations, it's also opened up expanses in other venues because the, you know, they might be less in the pool of players that can receive that health care, but the amount of healthcare and what they cover is greater than what it was before. So all those pluses come with minuses. And then you look away from the ultra-rich players and you go to the majority of the league, which are more of the veteran veteran minimum guys and the you know rookie contract guys. And those guys end up seeing all of this as a big-time pay bump and big improvements on their contracts. So when you look at the vast majority of the players that are into that that, that bet minimum, minimum uh, category, you might actually see this pass, even though the loudest players and the rich players are saying that they won't be voting for it. So it's it's kind of a competition between the classes within the NFL about whether or not this disagreement ends up passing. Ross, thanks so much for coming on, my man. I'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely, brother. Looking forward to it. All right, that was Ross Jackson, All Saints Consider, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on Saints podcast. So many things, so little time. And we're about to take a quick timeout and wrap up the show in just a little bit with one final take you're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Hey, we got one more take, and I think it's just something you need to just take home with you and think about and and stew about, but in a good way. The future of sports is fine. I think everybody is concerned about what could happen in the future. I'm definitely in that boat, but you know what? We've been through a whole hell of a lot worse, and baseball, football, all the sports returned. You know, I brought up September 11th earlier. 9-11, we saw baseball bring us back to normalcy. The second that comes back, we start getting back into our normal pattern. I will get through this. We shall overcome. So at the end of the day, you know, everybody wants to be concerned. And I think everybody has the right to be cautious about a lot of things. And this is one of those. But at the end of the day, don't let that paralyze you. Don't let that kind of eat at you. 
to where you don't do anything, where you just sit at home in fear. And eventually when this whole thing subsides, you're still living in fear. You're still kind of building that bubble inside. Don't let that be you. That's about all i got to say here on the show. I'm about to get out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday afternoon. I'll be back with you next weekend under the Dome with CD. Who knows what we're going to get into? Because, boy, we got 120 minutes or so to fill, but only, and I say only, so much non-sports stuff to talk. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037thegame at 1037thegame.com. Peace!